Hello, humans. In advance of the 4th of July, which is coming our way next week, I wanted to do an episode on preparing dogs to deal with fireworks and other auditory uh, related stressors. And I, I was about to record an episode with all the protocol that I would suggest for um, preparing a dog for the 4th of July. And then I thought, you know, I, I don't think I've worked specifically with dogs who have um, fireworks phobias. Uh, and I've never had a dog like that and since I've been a trainer at least. And so I thought, you know, it would, it would be nice uh, to talk to a trainer who has dealt with this issue uh, in a more firsthand way. And because I'm also always happy to not have a podcast that's only my own voice, I decided to invite my colleague Cheryl Jaffer, who is a fellow Karen Pryor Academy graduate, on to talk about how she has been working both with her own firework phobic dog and uh, helping rescue dog owners with their dogs who have similar phobias uh, where she is based in St. Paul, Minnesota. So what you are going to hear is my conversation on this subject with her. Uh, As always, you can support the podcast by subscribing and rating and leaving a review on iTunes. I really appreciate it. You can get there if you just go to schoolforthedogs.com slash listen. Uh, and, um, of course, you can also shop in our online store, storeforthedogs.com. Uh, we do mention a couple products together, uh, Cheryl and I, in this episode that we do carry in our online store. Uh, also at our store in Manhattan uh, in the East Village on First Avenue and 7th Street. And uh, if you go to our online store, you'll also find we have a whole suite of on-demand courses there that we've worked really hard to put together over the last year or so. You can get really good education uh, at your own pace um, by doing our online courses. Uh, You can check those out at storeforthedogs.com or just go to schoolforthedogs.com slash courses. You should also make sure you follow us on Instagram at School for the Dogs because we're always posting fun stuff, but also because every Friday we do a product giveaway. And um, this Friday, or this weekend, starting today, Friday, we're giving away uh, the Revol Dog Crate by Diggs. If you are a frequent listener to this podcast, you know that I think this crate is the best and it's actually going to be featured uh, on CBS tomorrow night at uh, I believe 7.30 p.m. on the show America by Design. They are featuring the crate in the episode and they actually shot the segment at School for the Dogs. So make sure to check that out. And you can enter to win one by going to at School for the Dogs on Instagram this weekend only. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation 
with Cheryl Jaffer. My name is Annie Grossman and I'm a dog trainer. I'm the owner and co-founder of School for the Dogs, a dog training center located in Manhattan's East Village. For the dogs, school, school for the dogs, for the dogs. On this podcast, I talk about dog training, interview industry experts, discuss pet trends, answer questions, and try to communicate my love for all things related to behavioral science. Thanks a lot for listening. I think this podcast will help make you the best possible human best friend any dog could ask for. Hi, Annie. My name is Cheryl Jaffer, and I am a dog trainer in Minnesota. My business is Jiffy Dog. I also run a nonprofit called Spencer Group, which offers free training to dogs and rescue. My interest in dog training began with rescue dogs. As a person who was fostering for a local rescue group, I became interested in fostering and then ultimately training. And I became a Karen Pryor Academy trainer in 2015. My business focuses primarily on working with rescue dogs and helping them adapt to their new families and helping their new families adapt to them and prepare for the types of challenges that they have with a new family member. Are you in a pretty rural area then or like an urban area? I'm actually in St. Paul. So I'm in the cities. I'm within 20 minutes of our two most major cities. Mm-hmm. So are most of your dogs urban dogs, suburban? That is a great question. Actually, I work with a combination of dogs because I do travel for some of my sessions. I work a lot with in-person training and I often go where the rescues direct me. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I would say the bulk of my clients are in urban environments and many times they're dogs that have moved from very rural environments Mm. to urban environments. And so they do have some trouble adapting to busier city lives and the noises and the number of triggers they encounter on a daily basis. So that is a very common client for me to work with. And tell me about your dogs. Well, my dogs are rescue dogs that just happened to show up here. Um, Two of them are very comfortable with fireworks. One's an older rat terrier cross. One is a border collie cross. But the dog that I'm having the biggest challenges with is a three-year-old Akita golden retriever cross who I adopted as a puppy. And when he was almost exactly a year old, I it was the 4th of July, and in my neighborhood, people do fireworks probably for a month. And in anticipation of that, because I didn't have the forethought to prepare him for that day, I just made a decision to bring him out early in the evening to go to the bathroom for the last time. And as luck would have it, the minute that he squatted, somebody lit off a firework uh, in my alley right behind my house. So he panicked and I brought him back inside and fed him food to make as positive an association with that moment as I could retroactively, because of course I didn't have the food with me when I went out there. And then I brought him out about a half an hour later, one more time to try it again. And that second time that I brought him out, the exact same thing happened. Oh no. So I now have a 12 month old dog who is, he's not 12 anymore, but at the time he was just a year old 
And he had developed this terror of fireworks. And I'm talking, he wouldn't come downstairs for at least 24 hours. For the next three days, I had to pick him up and carry this 75 pound dog to my car to bring him somewhere else to go to the bathroom, like drive him somewhere else to go to the bathroom. And that um, led me to a journey of discovery for what do you do when you have a dog that has severe anxiety with fireworks. Sure. And it's definitely been a journey. Well, so tell me about what <laughs> what you've done. Now, as I mentioned before, I don't think I've actually personally trained dogs who have this issue. Um, but I certainly am, am aware of <laughs> what can be done, although I haven't done it firsthand. And um, it seems to me one of the hardest things about this, this problem, specifically of dogs who I mean, noise phobia is one thing. Firework phobia is another thing in that uh, it's quite hard to predict um, when fireworks are going to go off. Certainly we have, you know, the day of the 4th of July. Um, but like you found out, you know, there, there might be the odd firework that might not be part of a, <laughs> a, a display. Um, and uh, uh, the other thing is that... Um, uh, you know, you can't, it, it's certainly inconvenient for you to go ahead and start, set up fireworks <laughs> yourself uh, or or even do them mm-hmm. at like a, a, a if you're going to start acclimating your dog to them at like a low volume, for instance, you really should be starting a couple months ahead. And often it's something people don't think about until like July 3rd. Am I right? Do you think? I, I completely agree. And all of the things that you've just talked about are things I've had to deal with. And so I think Mm -hmm. for me, the first step was bringing him to a veterinarian because his behavior was so severe that he would lie upstairs in my bed, trembling for Mm -hmm. minimally six to eight hours at a time. Fur was falling off of him. It was pretty severe. And so the first thing I did when I realized how severe the problem was, was call my vet And we developed a plan of medications for him to take both prior to exposure. And in some cases, if he was exposed without me being prepared for that, we did come up with a couple of medications that I could give post exposure to reduce his, his stress after the fact. Now, did it generalize to things other than fireworks? He has shown a little bit of anxiety with thunderstorms and sudden noises, but it isn't as pronounced as I would have expected. And so I'm thinking it may not have generalized. I think those are just, he does have a startle reflex. Okay. Um, And what are the medications then that you ended up uh, giving him? And and when do you give it to him? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember all the medications. (laughs) Um, I think I'm typically giving him trazodone and I was prescribed gabapentin ahead of time. Uh, This is something I just want to add a a note that don't attempt to medicate your dog without your veterinarian's input. And so I, this was a lot of going back and forth, both with my veterinarian and a veterinary behavior resident to choose the options that would be best for my dog. So we started with a combo of trazodone and gabapentin beforehand. Um, And I believe alprazolam can be given ahead of time as well. So, so with Owen, we discovered that the gabapentin made him a little bit too lethargic. And Mm -hmm. so I usually give him 
the gab uh, the trazodone and the alprazolam on days that I anticipate there may be fireworks. So June, Juneteenth, the 4th of July, the weekend before the 4th of July, when there's a nearby sporting event, things like that. Mm-hmm. If he happens to be exposed to a sound, I also add in propanolol. And that is a drug that has been given with some success after exposure within 20 minutes of exposure. So that is Owen's combination of medications. What kind of training work are you doing, if any, then in preparation for? for You know, honestly, with Owen, because it's such a severe reaction, if I hear a firecracker in any way within about a mile of my house, he will have a response. Mm -hmm. So during random times throughout the year, that may happen on days that I haven't given him medication. And when that does happen, I tend to pair it with food as rapidly as I can. Mm -hmm. We've also developed a bizarre practice that I haven't tested with any other dogs. But what I did discover very early on was one night when he was having a panic attack, for lack of a better word, when he was having full on, you know, shaking, trembling, falling out panting, I decided to, I ran some water in the bathroom and I thought, I'll just go sit in the bathroom with him. And as I was running water in the bathtub, he actually stepped into the bathtub and stood there for a few minutes. And then he stepped out of the bathtub and he lied down on a rug and slept. Hmm. So when I notice he is having a little bit of trouble, or if I notice that there are some things happening in the distance that are starting, he's starting to show a response to, I will take him up to a safe room and we will do this bath ritual and he will sleep down. But during those random exposures during the year, I absolutely pair them with food. Okay. You can use sounds pre-recorded on your phone or on the computer to expose your dog gradually to some of those sounds. Um, I'm assuming your listeners are familiar with desensitization, but just pairing the presence of a mildly stressful thing with food for the duration of that mildly stressful thing being present. Mm -hmm. You can definitely work on that with pre-recorded sounds, but I haven't really discovered a perfect simulation of a firecracker or a random sound. And so my plan has really been more to introduce him to random sounds in the environment and pair those with food throughout the year. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Rather than doing like concerted training sessions. I think you, yes, I think you can and should do concerted training sessions with Owen. I haven't figured out the, the best way to do that with the exception of when environmental sounds arise, be ready at all times Mm -hmm. to pair those things with food. Let's talk about like antecedent arrangements, sort of how, how we can help dogs, all the stuff we can kind of do from the outside Mm -hmm. in with clients um, that I'm I'm sure you've, you've done some of, and, and I have done some of with not so much with, um, like I said, not so much with fireworks, um, but in other situations to help them exist uh, without stress, if you know what I mean. I mean, so growing up, for example, 
I mean, and these sort of management type situations always seem to me like the uh, the ones where I think somebody would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I had a dog trainer come in to tell me this because it seems so <laughs> patently mm. obvious. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, for instance, my my childhood dog, Mabel, was terrified of fireworks uh, or, well, like firecrackers, I guess we lived. We lived in Chinatown and there was, um, and so she would go bananas during February, like during uh, Chinese New Year's mm-hmm. and would go hide in the closet. Um, and I don't think my dad really did anything particularly to help her. Um, and that it is something that some dogs will do. They'll, they'll go find a, a, a comfortable spot, an enclosed spot. And that is something we can certainly encourage. I know with thunderstorms, sometimes they're reacting to the um, to uh, the the change in like the barometric pressure, and some dogs actually feel better in around um, like metal pipes or in the bathroom for whatever reason. Um, uh, you know, going going into the tub, going into the basement. Um, but for a dog like Mabel, I think <laughs> if if I could retroactively uh, help her and advise my father, I would probably say, let's find somewhere else where she can go stay for the month of, mm-hmm. for the month of February. Uh, if not, you know, give her medication every day and try and acclimate her to those sounds over the course of the year. Um, possibly the easier route would be to, um, to find somewhere else for her to be. Are there other sort of types of management solutions that you have suggested to to dog owners who are desperate to, especially with rescue dogs, when want to keep it the rescue dog um, who ha- might have had experiences they don't know about before they got the dog? Yes, um, and I think you're also raising a really important point about dogs that are having a reaction to fireworks may respond pretty subtly, and so. The dog that goes and sleeps in the closet, you it's pretty easy to dis, disregard that dog, but I don't know that that's the best option for that dog because what we do know is that that regular exposure over the dog's lifetime is likely to lead to a, a more pronounced response over time. And so addressing it as soon as you start to see it, I think is really vital. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, most of us don't really think about that until we start hearing fireworks in our environment. So the time to think about it might be September after the season has ended and start to introduce your dog to those random sounds. But from a management perspective or an antecedent arrangement perspective beforehand, I typically start by looking for the quietest room in my house, ideally one without windows and potentially heavier walls, like you mentioned, the basement or the bathroom are two of my go-to choices. And because we do have a little bit of time before the fourth, you would have time to go in, bring your dog's favorite bed into that space, take your dog there each evening and perform some activity with your dog that is likely soothing. So it might be some training or a licky, well, training might, might be engaging but not necessarily soothing but a licky mat or a massage Mm -hmm. um, reinforcing your dog for just lying on their bed so just giving your dog treats when they're on their bed so we want to create a positive association with that space that you're choosing 
as that retreat space. Mm-hmm. Then I like to look at what can we do to make that space more soundproof and more pleasant. And I always think of the three auditory, visual, and olfactory. What can we do to make it? What can we do to make it sound calming? What can we do to make it look calming? What can we do to make it smell calming? For for the sound, I usually look at anything I can do to add a barrier to sounds outside. So first you could, if you wanted to go to a pretty extreme level, you could hang up fabrics around the room to create some sort of a barrier for sound, like moving blankets. If you just got a kennel in a room with the door open, you can drape blankets over that kennel to, again, anything you can do to create a little bit of soundproofing in that space is beneficial. And then I couple that with a combination of white noise and music. So white noise might be an actual white noise machine or a box fan. And I typically put those items nearest to any sources of sound. So if the doorway is closest to sound, I would put those near the doorway. And then I couple that with music, for example, through a dog's ear, which you can stream through Amazon to create the soothing sounds in the environment. I've seen people use reggae. You can use audible books that are really calming. So I think more of a textbook or a cookbook versus a, an adventure book. From a sound or from a mm-hmm. smell perspective, I usually look at things like dehydrated lavender or chamomile tea steeping in the space just to create that olfactory calming. Mm-hmm. And then from a visual standpoint, like I said, we want the room to be a little bit darker. If there are windows, they should have blackout shades on them or something to really prevent any source of light coming in and any ability to see flashes. There's also um, dog appeasing pheromone. Do you ever recommend that? That's a great choice. And I definitely talk about that. Do you sell Adapto? Yeah, storeforthedogs.com. We have um, the diffusers and which plug into the wall and also um, collars and then the sprays. Spray is probably the one I I think we recommend the most because you can spray it on a dog's blanket. Um, You could spray it on the dog's collar. You could uh, put it like on a bandana and put that around your dog's neck. It's a, a pheromone that mimics the the, the pheromones in, in dogs, mother's, mother's milk, um, and, uh, and can have a very calming effect. Um, thunder shirts, is that something that you, that you recommend? You know, I personally have stopped using thunder shirts and I'm not entirely sure why I didn't have bad outcomes with that. I just haven't used them as much. I think partially because you oftentimes have to help, have to help a dog adjust to wearing a thunder shirt but it certainly is something you could try thunder shirts for those listening who don't know are basically very tight fitting um tight fitting shirts that uh for for reasons that i'm not even sure are totally understood <laughs> can have a very calming effect um temple grandin in her books talks about hug machine she created for herself based on what she realized was calming for uh, cows. There's something about being squeezed in a certain way that can be calming for many animals and the thunder shirt kind of mimics that. Um, 
And I've actually found with I have a a, a one year old or almost one year old dog, um, and I haven't used a thunder shirt with her, but I have used um, just putting her like in a tight sweatshirt. Um, and I do find not not for sound sensitivity, but just in general, I find when she seems a little anxious, it does seem to uh, to calm her down. Uh, have you heard of the Storm Defender? I have not. Um, I was reading. I was just reading about the Storm Defender again. I don't know. This is more about maybe thunderstorms than about um, fireworks. But this is from, I'm looking at the book called Decoding Your Dog mm-hmm. by the American College of Veterinary Behaviorists. And it was talking about um, the storm, de- I'll just read this part. The storm defender is a cape-like wrap, uh, has a light metallic lining that reportedly protects against uh, the charge of like electrostatic, the electrostatic change in the atmosphere. Um, there are no studies identifying which dogs are better candidates for the storm defender, but dogs who seek out hiding places, um, like I was just talking about, uh, may be helped by it. Um, there was a study in 2009 with two groups of dogs, those with a uh, storm defender cape and those with a placebo cape, a similar cape but not the storm defender. Um, there were 13 dar- dogs in the Storm Defender group and 10 dogs in the placebo cape group. Both do- both groups had similar anxiety scores pre-treatment, and both groups showed improvement while wearing these capes. But the group with the Storm Defender showed a higher percentage of improvement. Um, anyway, I hadn't heard of the Storm Defender previously, but this that was interesting, interesting to me. Um, have you have you had some dogs then that you've worked with who've ha- who've uh, improved? Yes, I think they, we've definitely had dogs that have improved, but it has been, and I think this is a something I would want the listeners to remember, is that it's a process. So it's, a, it's really something I think of as a three-step process. When we're looking at the end of this season would be the time to start thinking about adapting your dogs or preparing your dogs for fireworks next year mm-hmm. by in exposing them to mild sounds over time and pairing those sounds with good things. Mm-hmm. And then the, the the actual event. So right now we're in that stage of just get your dog ready for the upcoming event. And for that, I would say this is the time to practice every night, every day between now and the 4th of July to see what we can do to make your dog comfortable for that event. And then go with your dog to that space the night of the 4th and spend time with your dog doing the things that you've been practicing so that they're comfortable with that. Or get the hell out of town. <laughs> Or get the hell out of town. You know, I actually, in a moment of panic, there was a night where I sent a note to our local training group to say, what am I going to do with my dog? And I was taking videos of him. And somebody suggested renting a hotel room yeah. at, um, at near the airport where there's a lot of sound protection. Ah, okay. So that's a cheat. And then obviously you've got all of these things in place. Don't be surprised if your dog has a moment of challenge where something happens that you didn't anticipate. And then I would say the really vital thing is that you're on hand with something good to follow that. So that's where my dog is right now is that in the event he gets exposed to something a little bit stressful, I'm ready there with food to follow that stressful experience with good Mm -hmm. things. Um, So I think most of my clients 
for the duration of the dog's life have some level of management. Dogs that have had experiences with nose fo noise phobia with fireworks always have, in my experience, a certain level of management. They never get, in my experience, they never get to the place where there is no response, but where you see a much more subtle response. So instead of bolting out of the room and hiding under a bed, they might look at you and come closer. Mm -hmm. And so I have seen the progress from a dog that couldn't stay in the room or couldn't really function to a dog that had tools to resume more normal behaviors, going over near their, their person and getting some comforting activity at that time. Mm -hmm. That's the level that I've seen it change to. Right. Right. Um, great. Well, is there anything that we haven't hit on that you think is worth, worth mentioning here? I can't think of anything else that we've missed. Can you? Um, no, I feel like I feel like we've gotten to all the all the all the major points here. Um, I guess okay. the bad news for people listening is that it might be too late to start. <laughs> this <year>. Yeah, <laughs> but but it's not too late to call your vet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's true. Not too late to call the vet. And, um, and it's also not too late to go to YouTube, find, find some recordings of fireworks. If you have like a new dog, for example, play them at a low volume while you're giving your dog a meal. Um, see how your dog does. That made me think of one more mm -hmm. thing for people with puppies mm -hmm. and people with newly adopted dogs who don't know if their dog has anxiety related to fireworks rather than finding out the hard way i would recommend they implement this protocol of going to that safe room and creating that safe room now mm -hmm. because if a puppy is exposed to fireworks during its fear period it's more likely to have a higher reaction to, to those fireworks throughout its life mm -hmm. so this is not the time to find that out good point good point well it's a good reason to have um like a I call it like a sticky spot or like a, a, a mm -hmm. bed or a mat where you've done a lot of sort of relaxation protocol type work um, or having a having a crate uh, that your dog is very comfortable being in um, and also to focus on training that's um, training that's fun for your dog and easy for your dog as opposed to approaching training as like these are you know, things that we must learn. <laughs> um, but use, you know, I love like trick training and that kind of thing because I think it can be so fun for, for you know, both humans and dogs and uh, a kind of a way to give your dog a bit of a hobby so that they're not just like a stress mess and something that you can work on during those, um, during those uh, moments of high anxiety. Um, like, uh, I don't know, like doing a crossword puzzle at the doctor's office or something like that, <laughs> rather than doing your taxes or, or something that's, you know, more required but difficult. Um, all right. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much. And um, if uh, anyone listening wants to find you, what's the, what's the best way to, to get in touch or to follow you? My address is jiffydog.com but i am spelled with a g so it's g as in george i f f y dog.com and i guess that's like your your last name huh 
It's part of my last name. <laughs> and Annie, I want to thank you so much for having me here. I think this is an incredibly important topic. And I think this is a great time for people to start establishing that safe space for their dogs now. Now, I guess one last question that's just something I like to ask people who have become trainers who weren't trainers, uh, you know, who's, who it might, for whom it might not have been their first career, um, which it sounds like it wasn't for you. Uh, what would you suggest to someone who's interested in maybe becoming a professional dog trainer as like a first step? I am really passionate about positive reinforcement training. And I personally think that anybody interested in exploring training should start by observing positive reinforcement trainers, people who are using rewards for the dog doing what they want versus corrections and following them, talking to them, and obviously enrolling in a program. I personally would recommend Karen Pryor Academy as the first place that I would direct a person who's interested in working with positive reinforcement training to go. Um, but there are so many great resources out there online with Kiko Pup and um, different locations where people have access to great positive reinforcement training if they're trying to understand what that looks like as well. What was your entree into that world? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. Um, my onboarding was a dog who was terrified of people and it took me three years to get her to get a treat. And one local trainer who wasn't positive reinforcement, she was a balanced trainer, offered me- Bal You have to explain what balanced is for people. Who oh, thank you. <laughs> she was a balanced trainer, which basically means you're using a combination of positive reinforcement and corrections. And so when a dog didn't do something she wanted, she would say, uh-uh, and she might give a tug on the leash. So she was a balanced trainer. She used a combination of both. And um, she asked me to assist her with classes. And so that's how I found my way into the training world. But really, my interest was fearful dogs and how can we help them adapt and feel more comfortable with us. And so as I worked with her, I found myself more and more drawn to this other community of people and their dogs. And I developed Jiffy Dog as a direct response to this particular dog that eventually became a therapy dog. Um, with four handlers, but it took me a very long time and I wanted to be able to share that information with others. Wow, that's so interesting. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much. I would love to have you on sometime in the future and uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, <laughs> but I really, um, I think it's, I think there's some good information here. So thanks a lot. Well, thank you so much, Annie. And I would love to come back anytime. So thank you for having me. I think this is really important work you're doing. Just a quick addendum to this conversation. Afterwards, Cheryl emailed me to say, uh, I've also been thinking more about your question of what the prognosis for these dogs looks like. And uh, generally, I find that being able to function is satisfactory for most people. What I don't know is whether people quit working with their dogs at that point. With Owen, he has shifted from being unable to function to being able to make choices, to come to me when something startles him, which essentially becomes a start button for our bathroom, relaxation, and medication protocols. Uh, I hope that makes sense. And then she says, I tend to share 
this wonderful blog post about noise phobia by Carolina Westland, uh, which I'm really uh, psyched that she shared with me because it is substantial, very informative. I will put a link to it in the show notes. You should absolutely check it out. Thank you so much for listening. And special thanks to Bill and Lizzie of Toast Garden for the amazing theme song. You can find Toast Garden at youtube.com slash toastgarden. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping at storefortheDogs.com. And you can learn more about us at schoolforthedogs.com. You can also connect with other listeners by downloading our brand new app. Just visit schoolforthedogs.com slash community.